Welcome, everybody, to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a podcast at Burn Orange Nation, and you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at BurnOrangeNation.com. Before we get started today, I'd love to remind you, if you like what we do, please leave us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps a ton. Get the show out there. Share this with your friends wherever you found it, whether it's Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, wherever you found your podcast, Spotify, we are there. So check us out, subscribe, share this with somebody that you know is into Texas Longhorn sports. Another thing I'd love to remind you of is our podcast host, Podiant, is offering all of our listeners a 14-day free trial of their premium membership and 25% off that same premium membership for your first three months. All you got to do is sign up using the offer code Longhorn. Kyle and I, we talk about this every week, how much we love Podiant. It just makes it easy to make a podcast. It is podcasting for the people. It's so, so easy. So all you got to do, if you want to start your own podcast, go to podiant.co, that's P-O-D-I-A-N-T.co, and sign up using the offer code Longhorn. That'll get you a 14-day free trial of the premium services and 25% off your first three months. Well, my name is Gerald Goodrich. I'm your host this week, like I am every week. And I'm joined by a man who cannot stand seeing the horns thrown down, Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you? Oh man, I uh I'm okay. That's uh that's not my favorite thing that's true. There are things that I I like less in the world. Um I think we take most of our things too seriously. Uh quick quick plug just because it is Monday night that we're recording this. Hopefully everyone listens to this Tuesday morning and goes out and votes because it's election day uh in Texas and across the country. But again, to stay away from uh, hot topic issues, we won't talk politics and we won't talk the uh, politics of, of flagging people uh, on the first uh, on the uh, the horns down. Um, I was going to tell you as well. I was excited that you got to be in Austin. Austin will continue on consecutive weeks to be um, inhabited by the Longhorn Republic. I will be up there for my good buddy Phil Navoa's bachelor party. So consecutive weeks, the Longhorn Republic invades Austin. First of all, regardless of your political opinion, I don't care who you vote for. Just vote. And yeah, so like Kyle said, I was uh, I was in Austin this last weekend, got to take in uh, the game and the scenes. My wife and I did like four days in Austin, which was just incredible. Got to like wake up on our own without a child, which is, again, <laughs> pretty awesome. But no, I got to experience the new game day experience. Bevo Boulevard was so cool. I mean, I remember like the event when you and I were in school, Kyle, was everybody walking out of Jester and walking down and walking into the stadium. And I oh, say yeah. everyone, I mean about 10% of the people. It's like it's like an event now. Like the the streets in front of the stadium are packed. There were some incredible food trucks. I got the uh Four Brothers Venezuelan food, which oh, good stuff. Real real good. Uh the line was short too. People did not know what they were missing out on. Uh and it was it was just a good time and you could tell that people got there early. So that was fun and so got to tell this story. My wife and I after, you know, in, inhaling an arepa from this Venezuelan place. Um, she's like, Hey, let's go, let's go get in the stadium. It's like, great. And she's like, let's grab a couple bottles of water before we go sit down. And I'm like, ah, smart woman. Let's just, let's go, let's go find our seats. And then I'll come back out and get some water. She's like, no, you don't want to do that. So I'm standing in line and I hear somebody say my name from behind me and I turn around and it's none other than the sponsor of our bang the drum segment, uh, our friend Joe. 
<laughs> and so he and I strike up a conversation, get to meet his wife. She's incredible. He's incredible. Uh, and it was just one of the coolest moments of my life. So Joe, if you're listening, which I know you are, uh, man, thank you for literally making an incredible day even better by, by grabbing me in line at the uh, concession stand. That's so awesome, man. You sent me that picture, and that's like uh, continues to be very cool. It's still it's still a weird thing when uh, people will, will text me, you know, or say, "Hey, my my boyfriend or my cousin was talking about your podcast today and didn't know that I knew you." It's uh, to all our listeners, it really truly means a lot to both Gerald and I. We do this uh, for y'all, but we uh, we love when when we hear your feedback. So keep listening and, and keep sharing. Yeah, I tell that last story just because you guys are incredible and you guys have literally made a dream of Kyle and mine come true. So thank you guys so much for being uh, just dedicated members of, of our little community we're building. But uh, it wasn't all good news in Austin this weekend. The food was great. The football could have been better. Uh, so Texas had a legitimate shot at winning this game with 16 seconds left on the clock with some weird clock issues going on. I thought the clock probably should have stopped before a couple of plays, but whatever. Um, Will Greer tosses an absolute dime to the back of the end zone, uh, goes pulls within one of Texas, and then after two timeouts and a attempted two-point conversion, Greer finally makes it in the end zone. Uh, Goes on top 42-41 with just seconds left. Texas can't do anything with the ensuing kick in the next play. And Texas loses 42-41 to to the West Virginia Mountaineers. So, Kyle, there is a crap ton to unpack today. A lot to unpack. Um, but let's, let's start with the positives. Let's start with the positives. And let's talk about the offense. Because going into this game, if you had told me that Texas puts up 41 points, 520 yards. I'm like, Texas wins by two scores. Am, am I Am I weird in feeling that way? No, I mean, t- Texas punted once on the day. I mean, it, it's, it was that type of game. I mean, it was a shootout, and Texas looked every bit. It was a game that whoever had the ball last won, and, and that's not a thing you really – equate with Texas's offense and, you know, recent vintage that uh, in a shootout, if, if Texas has the ball last or their opponent has the ball last, uh, that's who wins. And that's tough. You know, I will say it was fun to watch. Um, it was fun to watch the offense execute. And obviously there's things that he could have been better, even even in a great performance from the whole offensive unit. Um, but, you know, it was just great. You, you never had the feeling, and it was an odd feeling that, oh, no, we can't keep up with him. I mean, maybe it did coming into the game, but, uh, you know, I think you first have to tip your cap to to the quarterback, to Sam Ellinger, who I don't know that this was a defining moment in the kid's career, um, but he had a career day. Uh, 25 for 36 for 354 yards and three touchdowns, and that's just in the air. Uh, Obviously had another 52 and a touchdown on the ground. Um, Just, you know, did all the things right. I mean, had a – went toe-to-toe with a guy who legitimately will will be invited to New York City for a Heisman ceremony and Will Greer – and looked every bit as good, and if not on certain plays, the better of the two quarterbacks. You know, looked, and if you look at the box score, the better of the two quarterbacks. So, I mean, there's there's something to be said for that. And it, it, while you lose, I would like to to you know everything to work out in a way, and it's still a long shot. Uh, but if West Virginia works, wins out and UT wins out, this could be a Big Twelve championship game 
rematch, assuming UT would win the tiebreaker because of head-to-head with OU, uh, where we could see these teams go back at it. And I would love that because I would love to see these offenses duel again. I mean, from that side of the ball, it was positive and it was great to watch. And it's been a long time coming. Yeah, I told my wife on on two occasions when the offense was on the field that West Virginia did not belong on the same football field. When when the Texas offense was on the field, West Virginia did not belong on that same football field. Because uh, Sam Ellinger is making a case to be next year going in the top quarterback in the conference. Like I say that without any orange colored glasses, top quarterback in the conference, possibly top five or 10 guy in the country. Like there, there is the way he's playing and the way he continues to progress. Yes. He missed some throws early, but that happens like that. It's a big game. Jitters happen. He overthrew, uh, he overthrew Andrew Beck on an early pass that he connected on later in the game. So there were a couple spots. He wasn't perfect, but if you like, it's just crazy seeing he's his progression and him continuing to do what he needs to do to win these games. Like I didn't think he'd be able to top the OU performance this year and he went and did it. And that was incredible. I mean, he got a huge assist from little Jordan Humphrey doing little Jordan Humphrey things. Devin Duvernay had a little bit of a game that last second touchdown that we thought would be enough to win it. Um, and then Trey Watson had his best game in burn orange. So what, what else sticks out to you from the offense? I've named quite a bit. Like what, what to you is like, man, the offense has really found its stride in this game. Well, the crazy thing is, is you look at a box score and you think, man, they, there's two guys on there who you expect to see a little bit more from. I think Keontae Ingram um, has been the more, I think, at least upside or, or shown a little bit more spark of the two running backs, and that's to take nothing away from what's been a great year from Watson. And I think, you know, this if he does this every game, he's he's a wonderful uh, starting running back. But Keontae Ingram and, and Colin Johnson both had quiet days. Uh, Kojo was, was four catches for 47 yards, but you do have to factor in uh, a touchdown negated by a pick play kind of rub called on, um, probably correctly called on Lil' Jordan Humphrey, um, or else, you know, his stat line looks a little bit better. But yeah, I mean, you have two big names right there, and you think, wow, could it have been even a little better? Um, and maybe that says something about West Virginia's defense, or maybe that says something about that Texas offense, and they have been uh, better, you know, throughout the season at home. Um, so it really, you know, you kind of wonder, is this not the new normal? But you look at the Big 12 play throughout the rest of it. Um, I don't know that Tech necessarily scares me on that side of the ball. I, I don't think Iowa State is is quite, uh, you know, as scary as, as one might imagine when they think of a Matt Campbell team um, on the defensive side in, in Kansas. Um, while, you know, opportunistic on the turnovers, I don't think they're going to stop them. So there's a chance that this offense just hums the rest of the year. Um, you know, I, I really think... Uh, we get any of those like Duvernay. I'd love to see him getting 100 yards, getting triple digits. Little Jordan Humphrey had two catches that were, were Sunday catches, just going up, making fantastic, unbelievable plays on balls. You get those two guys. You get Colin Johnson on his day. Uh, you get two different running backs who can give you two different looks, and they're both successful. An offense like that with a guy like Sam Ellinger who's not going to turn the ball over is an offense that can win you a Big 12 championship. I, I, I think you know we can talk a lot about the offense. I, I think honestly where the conversation could transfer is to where we didn't shine, which is on the defense. Yeah. And I want to start with the offense to say, if I, if, like you said, if you see that stat line pregame, you're like, yeah, Texas wins 
in possibly a boat race. But the defense for the third game in a row seemed to not be able to show up, uh, which is just craziness to me. So the run defense was atrocious. I'm just going to say it. 232 yards. West Virginia hit seven a carry. Only Mm -hmm. five yards worth of tackles for loss. Like, now, granted, there were five injuries along that, that defense. You've got Chris Nelson, who tweaked his ankle on Thursday, didn't think he was going to play, ended up playing. Brandon Jones in a tweak, in a freak, you know, pregame <laughs> injury situation. Devontae Davis sprained shoulder. They said if, if Texas played today, he wouldn't be playing on uh, in the game. Breck yeah. Hager dislocated an elbow. Uh, Bimage dislocated a shoulder. Now, those those last three injuries, those first two happened pregame. Those last three happened in the first quarter. First quarter, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, Texas is down five guys for most of the game. Exactly. And, I mean, we talked about being out last week with our two starting corners out for the first quarter. But they came back in. You know, they, they had three more quarters to play. The unfortunate thing for Devontae Davis and, and Hager and Bimage is, is they only got – they only got one, and, and Davis, if I remember correctly, it was early on. Like it was like the, the fourth, third or fourth play, and his body just went limp after that hit. It, it was terrible. You know, I could tell it was something shoulder neck stinger. You don't like to see that, but uh, you know, right there on a passing attack that's as good as any in the country with Will Greer manning it, you take out your senior cornerback. Like that's that's tough. That's tough right there. But what you were just talking about with injuries is more along the line. Um, and again, you have Hager, you have Nelson, you have Bimage, but I, I feel like UT should be good enough that you can take a couple injuries and not give up seven yards of carry. I think there's something wrong at that point outside of just, hey, we're nicked up. You know, they've been relatively lucky this year. They got Roach back. Um, they haven't had a ton of, of knock on wood, long-term injuries on the defense up to this. So, I mean, if you imagine at the beginning of the season, you're starting roster to week nine, five guys being out uh, on, on the defensive side of the ball. Isn't that crazy? I'm sure most teams in the country are dealing with somewhere between three to five of their day one projected starters being out. So that to me doesn't equate to seven yards of carry. Uh, Good job by Holgerson, who's a wonderful football coach looks like a riverboat gambler and kind of coaches like one. And, and he came out and he did it. I mean, he, he just outcoached Todd Orlando, who is, you know, a, a fantastic defensive coordinator, one of the best in the country. It, it looked like he got the better of, you know, he got the better of him all day. Well, and yes, there are teams that are missing players, but most of them don't go into Saturday expecting to have those guys sure. for them not to be there for 80% of the game. And you, I don't want to gloss over Brandon Jones's loss because I believe going into the game, he was the team's leading tackler. Um, and not just that, but him being out one forced PJ lock back to safety, which honestly, I think PJ lock plays better at safety than it does a nickelback. That's just my own uh, opinion. I mean, we don't, we, I don't want to go into that too deep, yeah. but what it does, what it did. And what we saw was a guy like Caden Stearns who, who, is developing as a mm. coverage safety plays better as the the center field guy and allow Brandon Jones to cover and come up and run support. Stearns gets pressed into into pass mm-hmm. coverage, m- blows a zone assignment in the first yep. quarter, yep. and gives up a big touchdown. And One then of- on on the last second touchdown, again, who's back there? Yeah, those two guys we just mentioned. So 
that injury to me is bigger than any of the other, just because of what it does to the back end of that Texas defense. And I'll talk more about this later, but Todd Orlando's defense, this, this three, three, five, three, two, six kind of situation is really predicated on great play from your linebackers and great play from your safeties. Mm -hmm. And the safety struggled and the linebackers struggled, um, mightily in this game yeah and I mean I think it's safe to say this was Stearns's worst game and I'm not saying he's regressed from where he is but you know teams have a little tape on him they know how to get a freshman kid you know out of position um like you said he's pressed into things he doesn't have Brandon Jones who's been the young guy pressed into action and now is kind of the old head uh in PJ Locke I don't know if safety's his best position I don't know if football's his best position to be honest I I PJ, I, I I hope you listen to this and I, and I hope you find motivation from this and and be better because I know you're better. You, I've seen you be better. I just I do not understand what's happening to that guy. You know this year and, and really to our secondary in in general. There's there's lapses that just are pretty inexplicable. But again, not to throw anyone under the bus. I just think you need, like you said, in that type of defense, you rely on on above average to to elite play from your safeties will determine how good your defense is and, and up in front of that that your linebackers uh, are doing everything to allow them to be successful to be ball hawking to to make turnovers you know that to, to create turnovers and, and to his credit Gary Johnson had had uh, had a very great uh, third down conversion pass breakup that almost was an interception I believe there was a tipped ball that I think Wheeler was a step away from getting an interception on those things one or both of those happen, maybe we're having a different conversation about, wow, what a close one that we came out on top and the defense did just enough, right? So it's an inches. Football is a game of inches. It's a one-point game on a two-point conversion with 16 seconds left. So uh, this was a close game and a great game, but you just see 20 different ways that the defense makes a couple different stops. And they did. They had a fourth down stop in, I believe, the fourth quarter. Um, you know, they they did a couple things well, but consistently just just not there I mean even in OU they had three quarters where they looked relatively consistent against a high octane offense it was really the fourth quarter where they broke down this was pretty much four quarters or at least two and a half to three quarters of just getting getting beat yeah and it was you mentioned schematic things there was there were there was one spot where I saw it pretty consistently happen on the same drive probably three or four times where West Virginia had the H back lined up in in the backfield uh, meaning that one of the one of the two linebackers that's usually there in run support had to follow the H back out of the mm-hmm. center because if you don't then Greer dumps it off to him for 6 yards so you follow yep. him out that leaves you at a disadvantage in the center of that defense where you've got five offensive linemen and four linemen and linebackers. Now I'm not one of these ones that's on Twitter saying there aren't enough down linemen in this defense. We're going to talk more (laughs) about that in my bang the drum. Be aware. I'm going to make some of you mad. Um, But that to me is getting out coached like that. I'm, I'm not saying Orlando got is a bad coordinator because again, 12 months ago, we're worried he's leaving for a, for a for a bigger job. Oh yeah. He's an incredible coordinator. He's an incredible coach. There's something to be said about losing four guys that are getting major playing time on an NFL roster. There's mm-hmm. just something to be said about that. Yeah, and and you know, this is one of those games where you think, man, it would have been nice to have Malik Jefferson, you know, like that type of linebacker on this team. Um and, and it'll be curious how, you know, 
next year when we play West Virginia with a different look, completely different linebacking core that will be young, but will will have maybe um, a, a skill set and, and just a kind of natural proclivity to these types of games if, if Orlando can do something. Because I, I, what I do think happened is um, I, I think Todd Orlando just signed probably another year um, in the uh, in the Big 12 uh, and as the, the UT defensive coordinator. And I think that's a great thing for him. I'm fine with it. I think it's a great thing for UT. Like, don't, don't sit here and hear us say that we want – you know, don't want him as our coordinator, but um, he's not the exact opposite. Right, exactly. Uh, he's not going uh, anywhere right now after this and after last week. Um, I mean, I mean, seven to twelve on third down conversions this game. Over the last three games, they're just over fifty percent, twenty five for forty nine on third downs. Which you know, we talked about all the caveats that go into that, um, but that used to be a bread and butter for an Orlando defense. And and I think the overarching thing that, that kind of all of these things we've talked about tie into is you're playing offenses that pass the ball and run the ball, obviously, but you have to get in their backfield. No sacks and one quarterback hurry is not is not going to win a game in any conference. You know, it's not going to win you in, in, in the Mountain West or the, the Great America. I don't even know all the conferences anymore, you know, but that that's not going to win uh, anything. You have to... Uh, it's not just Chuck Omena who you know who was the one guy left. Um, it's everyone. It's the team. It's whoever the next man up is. It's the scheme to get them in there. It's it's when you choose to blitz B.J. Foster. It's when you choose to do some of those things. We have to be getting pressure on quarterbacks because we've tried where we just drop guys back and we give up two you know huge plays a game where we just get beat. We have a blown coverage. So if that's the case, then go ahead and, and unleash the dogs and, and put Will Greer on his back. You know, I, I just. It's one game, but I'd love to have that one back. That that one feels that one feels like more than even Oklahoma State. That one feels like it was a missed opportunity. And my wife, who claims to not know football, said it so succinctly after the game. We were we're on our way uh, to grab a quick bite before we went back to our Airbnb. She said the offense is having to work way too hard to score forty one points. Because the defense is having to work way too hard to only give up 42 points. I, I don't know a better way to summarize that game. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, it's 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 hilarious. Like I said, the irony of it is just hilarious when you think about how much we were woe, woe is todding uh, Orlando's defensive performance with just an utter garbage fire of an offense uh to, for for lack of a more politically correct term uh last year and and, and let me no say this real, that one up <laughs> real quick while we're saying it i do think a huge part of that is is and I've, I've praised him many times as herb hand um i mean obviously you can't coach linemen being healthy but being healthy has helped uh ut i think last year i don't remember the exact stat but you know they had nine different combinations uh, through 13 games. And, and this year, they've only had offensive linemen as a total group miss three games. Um, so, I mean, and you got Beck, who's healthy. There's a lot of things there, but a lot of that has to go to Herb Hand. They have a consistent line that's that's coming out there every week. And you have Ellinger one year older and et cetera, et cetera. We've talked about that. Um, but, you know, for, for us talking about how we want one of our assistant coaches uh, in Orlando to maybe do a couple things different and do things a little better, I do think that Herb Hand is doing everything that he was advertising and, and continues to, to really make that unit a, a, a point of strength for the team. I, I think this is it, but the only spot that did not have at least one starter change last year was Patrick Vahe and the offensive line. So every spot other than Patrick Vahe had had multiple starters, which is just ridiculous. 
and again, I'm, this is all going to come back around during my bang the drum. So now Texas does not hold its own fate in its hands. If Texas managed to beat West Virginia, Texas would have just had to win out to play for a conference championship. But now they head to Lubbock, a place that is regarded as a scary spot to play. Uh, they travel for a 6.30 p.m. kickoff, so a night game on the road in the battle for the Chancellor Spurs. I found out today that there is a trophy for this, <laughs> air quotes, rivalry. So Texas holds the series all-time 50-17. to 17. It's going to be a weird game, Kyle. It's going to be a weird game. We don't know who's going to be playing quarterback for Texas Tech. Right. Um, Alan or Alan Bowman, right? That's his first name. I believe so. It's like the most it's like the most generic name ever. Alan Bowman sounds like the guy who played the dad on different strokes or something. I don't know. <laughs> just, just generic generic actor Alan Bowman um, missed the second half of the OU game because he was having trouble breathing. If you don't remember, uh, several weeks ago he had a partially collapsed lung after getting uh, sandwiched on a sack. Was hospitalized, missed several games, came back for a game and a half, and then. They were reporting that he was missing the second half. This was the funniest thing. So ESPN was reporting on air that he was missing the second half because he got hit in the head with the football <laughs> during halftime warmups. Uh, but in actuality, he was rehospitalized because he was having trouble breathing due to his partially collapsed lung. Uh, so possibly Bowman, if he is healthy, again, I wish him no ill will, uh, but maybe get healthy on Sunday. If he's not healthy, uh, Jet Duffy, Backup quarterback, highly touted dual threat quarterback, will be uh, the signal caller for Texas Tech. So, what, Kyle? There's so much going on and swirling about this game. What are your thoughts, feelings, opinions as Texas heads uh, to the plains of Lubbock? Uh, I mean, we'll just say it once and maybe leave it at once. Crabtree. Uh, and, and outside of that, we're playing Tech at night in Lubbock. I get it. Um, we aren't playing for a national championship. We're playing for a Big 12 potentially because winning this and, and is, is step one, one and zero of doing the things we need to, to get to a, a Big 12 championship with a couple other things falling our way, of course, at this point. Um, but I think this is going to be a tough Texas Tech team. Um, this is Cliff Kingsbury with a little bit of bite to him. I mean, he, he's always got... Uh, a good offense, but it's an offense that's that's um, been able to get above uh, opponents this year and really get out and, and rub people's noses in the dirt a little bit. One thing that I found interesting is is we had um, our friend from Viva the Matadors on before the season and talked about the improved defense and, and Texas Tech had had you know players on the the preseason All Big Twelve defense and every you know preview article even from our own uh, you know smart guys at SB Nation. Everyone looked at this team and said, wow, they made a market improvement on defense last year. They returned a lot of those guys. This is going to be a good defense. The, the offense may not be good, but this is going to be a good Tech defense. And if they're both good, better watch out. Well, Texas Tech is 110th in, in total defense right now. Um, they are who we thought they are, and I hope we don't let them off the hook um, for that. And I hope, as we talked about, that our offense uh, that has really uh, hit a stride this week against West Virginia uh, just goes out and, and does that. I mean, 
this is a tech defense that could allow all the things that Texas does well to shine. I mean, UT is on a streak right now of nine straight games uh, with at least 200 yards passing and 100 yards rushing, which is incredible. Um, it's one of the longest such streaks uh, in school history. I think 10 is the actual school record, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but, uh, you know, they are they are really um, moving the ball, as we talked about. And I think Tech's defense gives us a chance to come out and – have another performance on that side of the ball. But I think the, the more key matchup to whether we walk away with a win is on the other side of the ball. Do you think, Jet Duffy or otherwise, that Tex offense, or should I say it this way, Texas's defense has it, has it in the tank to, to put a stop and slow down a very potent Red Raiders offense? I think if Bowman plays, it's a lot scarier of a matchup simply because he is the better passer. I think Jet Duffy is a quarterback that could exploit some of the struggles that Texas has at linebacker. If you look at Will Greer's two-point conversion play, um, he f- caught our linebackers looking inside for the for the close run, and that's why he caught the corner. So Duffy has that, that skill to him. Now, again, I think if... Um, if Bowman plays the second half against OU, OU wins or Tech wins that game going away. So I think Bowman gives them a better chance to win. But Jet Duffy was the number fourteen dual threat quarterback in the country a couple years back. So like, even though he has a weird mustache situation going on, I think he he's good enough to win, and he's proven that he's good enough to win. Um, now, granted, can the defense? hold anybody to anything that's that's remains to be seen uh but i think this is really if there's going to be a game where the texas run game takes over it's going to be this game if there's going to be a game where the texas rushing attack takes over it's going to be this game you know tech is allowing almost four and a half yards per attempt on the ground which not great I don't know. I, I'm now again. I got into to communication school because I didn't want to have to do math. But four and a half yards, three times, is thirteen and a half yards, which is good enough for a first down. So, if Texas is able to feed whichever hot hand they have at running back, I think Texas wins this game going away. Now, granted, there is a lot going on. Lubbock is a terrible place to play. It's pretty awful. But, again, I don't know if I'm buying into it 100% because in the last 20 years, Texas has played in Lubbock 10 times. Texas has 7-3 in those matchups, one of those being the Crabtree game. Now, granted, there are three of those win- uh, games, you know, either way that were decided by six points or fewer, and the average margin of victory between the two teams in Lubbock is 11 points. That's buoyed by two 30 plus point wins by Texas. So there is a chance that this is going to be a slim one, but I don't necessarily think at least culturally Texas buys into that. They're going to go into Lubbock and lose. I I think that I think there's a sense of pride on this team. And I think that sense of pride has been wounded. I think consecutive losses when they felt in their bellies that they could play for the Big 12 championship and should um, has wounded this team enough that they're going to come out with a sense of pride and I think they're going to do everything uh, that's expected of them I think you're going to see an improvement on the defensive side of the ball I think uh, the offense is going to look just as good and even maybe 
better uh, against the, the tech defense that's set up to allow UT to succeed. I think this is a team that's going to be hungry, and I don't think playing at night in a desert and having to stay in some you know terrible Motel 6 or whatever the nicest establishment out in Lubbock, Texas is, um, will we'll derail them from that. Um, you know, as long as no tumbleweed comes across the field and, and knocks, uh, knocks a wide-open Colin Johnson, you know, over, I, I'm really quite confident, um, you know, in in the in the abilities for this Texas offense to, to win handily. And I, I don't want to come out here and predict they're going to kill people, but I, I think this is going to be a game that feels more comfortable than either of the last two games. My I think my Podstradamus prediction, we said a couple weeks ago we're going to do one of these every week, and then we didn't last week. Uh, but I think my Podstradamus prediction, uh, I know I said the, the running attack is going to control the game, but I think Sam Ellinger is going to put up his third 300-plus uh, yard game this week. That's... I think it's going to happen, and I, and I think if Texas wins, it's going to need to put up points again because even though Duffy may be the starter, even though Bowman may be operating at one lung, uh, they're going to put up points. That's just what Tech does, and Tech is always up for this game. And so if Tech is up for this game and if they put up points, that means that Sam Ellinger is going to have to ball, and I think – 300-plus yards and a couple of touchdowns. I hope, unlike he did against West Virginia, I hope that he looks to Colin Johnson in single coverage because, once again, nobody in the conference can check him one-on-one. So if there's no safety over the top, let the big man do work. But, again, I think Elliger is going to go for 300-plus. I like it. I like it. Bold takes. Well, my Podstradamus pick, um, we talked about it earlier in the year. I'm going to give you a two-pronged one, that, that both of the keys to this success for this team winning um what they do in every game that they win and they don't do both at least in the games that they lose um i think texas is going to win the time of possession in this game by greater than five minutes i think i think tech is going to have the ball they're either going to get it stopped they're going to you know score quick whatever it is they're not (laughs) going to hold the ball long and texas is going to do what they like to do which is have the ball in their offense's hands for large stretches of the game so i think greater than five minutes there in my second half of that and the second key to success that we saw is that texas defense gets back on the board of taking the ball away and i think obviously if jet duffy is the quarterback and, and you know you can contain him enough where he has to throw that really makes that you know an even more uh salivating proposition uh, but i think even if bowman is the quarterback who's got a good arm and, and reads reads the offense really well and, and really works within the offense to get the ball out quick and get it to the one of the multiple options uh, i still think regardless of who who's slinging the rock for the red raiders um that that this ut defense will have at least one and i don't know something in my belly tells me not only are they going to rectify not having a turnover uh last week and then the week before um, but they're going to come back with two Two inter- or two turnovers. Not, I don't want to say interceptions, but two turnovers from the defense this week to go with a plus five uh, time of possession. Wow! If you throw in a third one, we'll give you we'll give you a parlay on that, Kyle. So <laughs> so plus five in in time of possession, which is a key. That's a KPI for Texas. That is a key performance indicator, and two turnovers. Which wow. I I just asked for a prediction, Kyle. You you went you almost went hot take on us. You know, but I don't know if it is that hot. If I'm going to be honest, like I mean, it's 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 pretty 
built into the Orlando system as we've seen it that you get turnovers, you force big plays, you put a defense in early downs with, with you know pressure, get them in third and longs, make the quarterback throw something, and you let your hyper-athletic uh, secondary do things. You know, And I think Caden Stearns might be one of those guys he might be due, but I also loved what I saw from Cook. I think... Foster has needs another big play to to get you know the momentum back to to where it was early in the season for him as a guy who's you know not it's not just Caden Stearns for the the freshman in this this defensive back class you know I could see Foster making a play uh, we'll be curious to see what happens with Jones getting him back I'd love a nice redemption uh, story of him back on the field doing something good you know who knows maybe PJ Locke goes out there and redeems himself with a pick six who knows I'm just saying I think there's going to be a couple. These aren't predictions. These are just what ifs. But I do think there's going to be uh, it, there's going to be two, uh, and and I feel I feel pretty good about that. Okay, all right. So we'll we'll see how we uh, we'll see how we stack up next week. Before we move on, I've got to remind you about this week's sponsor, my bookie. Now we love watching football. It is fun, but sometimes it's more entertaining when you have a little bit of action on the game. You heard me talking about this for the last few weeks and some of you are still on the sidelines. Whether you're an expert or a rookie, you should be betting at my bookie. Now, if you're the kind of person that likes to bet a little and win a lot, like, you know, playing numbers or, or you, can, you can create a big parlay with them. Pick three teams to win. If you hit all three, you can turn 100 into 600 like that. There's a ton to bet on basketball, hockey. You've got UFC fights going on. At some point, you're going to see Floyd Mayweather get kicked in the head. So put a bet on it. My bookie is the one bet in there you're going to be happy with all year. I recommend these guys because you can trust them. They've been in business for years. They've got great online reviews. On top of that, their mobile site is really easy to use. So back by popular demand, people keep asking for it. They're offering a 100% bonus for another week. If you've been thinking about making a pick all year but haven't decided to make that move yet, now is the time to make your move. After Sunday's kickoff, you can kick, uh, you, you can kiss that bonus goodbye because again they're not going to keep it around forever be sure to follow them on twitter and instagram at bet my bookie they personally respond to every mention in dm uh, not to mention that they've given away nearly ten thousand dollars in free money to their followers this football season you'll also be the first to know as new odds and props are posted up so log on to my bookie right now don't miss out on your opportunity to collect the industry's biggest bonus use the promo code longhorn and you'll get your first deposit matched up to 100 percent that's promo code Longhorn. You play, you win, you get paid. So now, Texas, it's time for a little bit of news. Now, we primarily hit football during the football season, but this is that beautiful time of year where you've got college football, you've got professional football, you've got the NBA, and you've got college basketball. So we're going to hit some other sports, including we're going to start with some Texas basketball. So number 11, women's basketball. We're starting because we're a women's basketball podcast. Kyle, we are. We've said it before. We'll say it again. Women's athletics. Number 11, women's basketball. They're opening their season at home Thursday against Duquesne. We did some uh, some trivia about them last week. Go back and listen to that if you missed it. Uh, they're currently ranked number 8 in the coaches poll and the women are looking to finally get over that hump. They compete for the big 12 every year, but now's the time where they make a deep run for a natty. Isn't, isn't that, doesn't it feel like this is the year, Kyle? 
You know, I think Karen Essence does some really good things with that women's basketball program, and it's just a matter of time. Uh, I think Baylor is going to be another tough one. I think this is another year where one of those two teams could win the Big 12 championship, and they could meet again in like a Final Four. I think they're both that good. Um, And so I'm excited. I think this is a team you don't want to sleep on. Absolutely. You, you do not want to miss it. Speaking of a team you don't want to slip, sleep on, the men's basketball team, they're kicking off, tipping off really, probably more appropriate, their season uh, Tuesday, the day that you are listening to this, probably, hopefully, maybe, unless you're listening to it on a drive into Austin or a Lubbock, maybe, um, Tuesday against Eastern Illinois, Texas has won, as the men's team, 16 straight home openers. Andrew Jones will be available for the game when he takes the court, Kyle and I are both going to shed some thug tears. Uh, it's going to be good to see. Uh, and they're feature, they feature a guy, Jackson Hayes, who is been being touted as one of the best prospects that Texas has seen in a while, which is crazy because they've had, you know, guys like Mo Bamba and Miles Turner. Uh, so Fran Fraschilla said, and I quote, I've watched 20 plus team practice practice and Jackson Haynes is the best long-term draft prospect, which is crazy. So Kyle, what we talked about it again, if you want our basketball preview, check us out last week, but Kyle, what are you expecting out of this season tip off? Well, I mean, I think there's some really talented guys that you're going to see for the first for the first time. And I think Haynes is one of those guys. I heard his athleticism described as to say he's so athletic that when you watch him go, it makes Jericho look a little bit normal, which, you know, we talked about it in our preview and we've talked about it many times that Jericho Sims has one of the bounciest vertical leaps, you know, just quick get up crazy athleticism for a big man we've seen uh we're bringing in a kid who's six foot eleven who who makes his athleticism look normal so i mean that's that's awesome and i'm excited to see because we said last week that someone's gonna have to step up and absorb those minutes and play well and so i'll be very curious to see but i just hope you know that this texas team plays within themselves doesn't try to do too much you know wins the games they can Gives gives hell in, in the games they shouldn't, um, and, and and turns that into a you know a good tournament number and, and maybe makes a run uh, for for a well coached Shaka team that's going to play some good defense. And this year we're hoping hit some of those threes. I mean I, I hope that like um, a certain political candidate on the presidential trail last year he said that that basketball ring right over there is ten feet tall, the same as it is anywhere anywhere. Trying to quote uh, trying to quote Hoosier. So I hope Shaka can do the same and say. Uh, it's the same height in Lawrence, Kansas, as it is here in, in the drum uh, in Austin, and, and that, that UT comes fearless and uh, and puts it to anyone. And there is there is some intrigue this week. Uh, you talked about some some hot prospects. There is some intrigue because the uh, the five star center, number twenty overall rated player in the nation, um, is set to announce his decision, um, and he is between the Longhorns and the UCLA Bruins. That's Will Baker from Austin Westlake. Um, um, a, a center who just looks like he's got all the tools and, and could potentially be our, our, our next in the line of one and dones. I would love to see him play two uh, years, just me personally. Uh, again, but first step to that is we got to get him in the burnt orange. Yeah, I mean, the the scuttlebutt online is that he's a pretty heavy Texas lean. He's a Westlake kid. I would be interested to see. I mean, he's. it's crazy to think that he could be one of Texas's top rated recruits in a long time. Like he is. And again, this is going to sound insane, 
but his his aggregate ratings are right behind Kevin Durant and Mobamba. Like right behind. If you look at his aggregate star ratings, he's right there with Kevin Durant, Mobamba, Miles Turner. Like the 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 guys, like the dudes mm-hmm. that Texas has pulled in. Weirdly, Avery Bradley as well is right up there, which I wouldn't have expected to see. Uh, oh yeah, he, Avery. He was a stud in '09. Avery was that dude. I got to interview him when I was covering the basketball team. He didn't say much, but you could see it in his eyes. That dude just—he wants—he's a—he's a warrior. I, I loved watching Avery Bradley. He plays defense the way I like to imagine that I do. <laughs> Kyle, the White Mamba himself. No, so yeah, I'm—I'm—I'm <laughs> I'm, going to be watching that again. The scuttlebutt is Texas, but you never know. You never want to bet on the the uh, decision making of an 18 year old. I've, okay. I've learned that through years working with youth. <laughs> uh, some quick hits before we jump in to the end of the show. Uh, the fourth seeded uh, Texas soccer team is hosting a first round NCAA tournament game in Austin on Friday, November the 9th. They're going to take on Virginia Tech. So Texas has been really good at home they've won 11 matches they've unbeaten uh in 11 matches so they're looking to capitalize on that if texas wins they're going to take on the winner of arkansas and little rock which is a weird matchup uh (laughs) so it's going to be interesting to see that women's golf uh finishes their fall season ranked number two uh they got to go to cabo to play golf which is Kyle, that's that's a dream for us, for them. It's just a business trip. Uh, the spring season going to kick off on February 3rd. And then this is really what you all came here for. We're Swimming and Diving Podcast. Absolutely. Texas is Swimming and Diving School, and we're Swimming and Diving Podcast. So the men's swimming and diving team came into the season top-ranked in the country under, again, Eddie Reese. We're excited to see that. Uh, but they lost its opening meet uh, to Florida, which happens because – you know what? They swim a lot in Florida. Um, they avenged it this weekend. They actually absolutely crushed Texas A&M, which love to see that rivalry still happening, happening everywhere but the football field. <laughs> um, the women's swimming and diving team, again, a number one seed. They won both of their meets over Indiana, Florida, and then the Aggies, which always good to see Texas beating the Aggies. And then finally, volleyball. Ending their season, they've got three home games left of their five remaining games. Two of them this week going against Kansas and Kansas State. Kansas is one of the only three teams to beat Texas in their only conference loss. So I'm excited to see how the ladies rebound from that. Yeah, and there's only only three home games for volleyball left this year uh, out of the five remaining. So get your tickets if you're in Austin and go support the ladies. You have no excuse. Gregory Gymnasium is one of the coolest places to watch a sporting event in Austin. But now it's the part of the show where we honor one of the best traditions in all of college sports, Big Bertha, and we bang the drum. So, Kyle, what are you banging the drum on this week? Well, I'm going to throw out my uh, Landy app, my my little little buy one, get one here, uh, free one, and just say, we'll tweet this out after the show, but if you didn't see uh, former uh, Texas running back and Cibolo Steel pride of Central Texas, not, talk, not talking about Caden Stearns, they were talking about Malcolm Brown, who uh, plays for the LA Rams, had a very nimble touchdown. He's not a small dude, a very nimble sideline uh, scamper for a touchdown this week, so we'll tweet that one out. Uh, take a look at that. But what I'm actually banging uh, my Joe Ruiz uh, drum on this week um, is uh, 
a little bit of a little bit of social media banter that, that led me to uh, to dig into some numbers just a little bit. So um, you know, over the over the weekend, you get, you get a loss. You see some players tweet some things. We had uh, Ellen Gr- tweet something and then deleted um i think he kept it on instagram but uh we we had some you know former players who were in the media say some things about the team um and then we had one of our, our former greats who's actually excelling very much in the nfl currently quandre Diggs, who uh, was talking about you know sitting the corners last week and just some of the culture and what that that is and someone said you know kind of pejoratively yeah let's go back to the end of max career when there's no accountability um and, and in a rare moment where a professional athlete clapped back at a guy with um he does have a picture, no, no Easter, no, no egg, um, but about like you know twenty eight followers. Uh, he he said something interesting, and so so Quandre said, uh, you know nothing about what goes on in our building, of course. But what he said that was interesting was, you give us Sam on those teams, uh, and we're winning ten games plus, which made me kind of kind of think and go back and, and look at this uh, objective objectively, see if we can quantify this. So. Quandre Diggs was on the 40 acres uh, from 2011 to 2014. And so you think back to those quarterbacks and you, of course, think to the illustrious 2011 season when we won six games with a combination of Case McCoy and, and David Ash at quarterback. Uh, 2012, we had an eight-win season with just, for the most part, David Ash at quarterback. Then flipped that script in 2013 with Case McCoy as quarterback. And, hey, all Case gets you more wins. Nine wins that year, uh, followed by 2014, um, an eight-win campaign led by Tyrone Swoop. So each of those are, are less than, than than 10 games. And so I think the, the claim that Quandre is saying is that Sam Ellinger is worth, we'll say, averaging it out, about 2.2 wins per season. Now, that's a big claim. Uh, those were great, great defenses. There's no doubt about it. There's some players, many players on those teams that are playing in the NFL today. There's probably some that should have been drafted higher, but you know they didn't. When you have a six-win team, you don't uh, you don't get first-round draft picks. So there's no doubt that's good defense. There's no doubt that there were some studs on the offensive side of the ball. You think of a Jackson Chipley and uh, many, many others. But, you know, quarterback, those probably aren't your four legacy quarterbacks when you list your all-time greats. Those are probably guys you skip. You might give David Ashe, hey, what if uh, the concussions don't catch up with him? I think at this point, when we when he started, we had comparisons one way. Now it's the other way. Now we say David Ashe is a poor man Sam Ellinger. Um, so I, I think it's fair to say that absolutely, if Sam was on those teams, they win at least a, a, another game, maybe maybe two in those cases, um, which would put uh, three out of those four seasons at ten wins. Um, and 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 one way that Sam's doing that is protecting the ball. He's getting the ball to his weapons when he needs to. He's moving the ball himself. He's finding ways to punch the ball in the end zone. But what he's not doing is putting the ball on the turf. And I had a stat here, Gerald, that I want to bring you into this bang the drum. Sam is obviously now up to 246 passes without a 9 That's a Longhorn record. It is very close to being a Big 12 record. So I will ask you one, and if you get that, I'll ask you the second. Do you know who currently holds the Big 12 record for most passes without an interception? I want to say Patrick Mahomes. Ooh, not a bad guess. Um, not correct, but not a bad guess. Um, yeah. It should be a little bit on the on the top of mind because this quarterback played for, and I'll give you a hint here, the West, by God, Virginia Mountaineers. Does that do anything for you? Does that put you 
on I the could trail. Pick out a West Virginia quarterback, but out of a lineup, Kyle. To be honest with you, because they all suck and I hate them. This was uh, this was Geno Smith. Geno Smith. Wow. Geno Smith. Currently unemployed. Geno Smith. Really salty about it on Twitter. By the way, if you did not see that on maybe his Instagram story, real salty about being unemployed. I didn't see that, but I, I'm I'm glad that it ties in. There's tie-ins all over this show. Do you know how many short? If you had to guess, and I and I told you it's close. Do you do you know how many short of 200? I guess 70. It's 27 more that he has. Oh, I just said it. I spoiled it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, go 27, Kyle. I was trying to do math. I'm a journalism major. I was trying to do math on the fly. I didn't have that uh, that written out in my notes. Dang it. So as you said correctly, Gerald, you got one out of two. I'm proud of you. <laughs> it's 27. It. That is that is very easily in a Texas Tech game what Sam Ellinger, you know, a, a minimum that we could see from, from, from Sam this week. So it could very, very quickly be that Sam uh, becomes the record holder for the Big 12. I will not make you guess who holds it. For the NCAA, um, but it's a lot more. It's 444. So we will talk more about that stat once we get a little bit closer to that, uh, you know, certainly by the end of the season. <laughs> Marcus Tuiasasopo calling it. <laughs> Come on, Tui. No, so uh, I am banging the drum brought to you by Joe Ruiz. So, trigger warning. We're just going to say that. Trigger warning for some people. So after the last couple of games, the Texas defense has struggled. They they've struggled, and we we talked about it to start the show for quite a bit. And after the the game against West Virginia, I started to see some murmuring, some mumblings of getting rid of Texas's defensive coordinator. And by that, I mean I saw people posting that Texas needs to fire Todd Orlando. And I quickly took to Twitter from our Longhorn Republic Twitter feed at Longhorn Pod and tweeted a gif of Charles Barkley summarizing how I feel about that. And the, the gif says, that's so dumb it makes me mad. <laughs> if you're listening to the podcast and you feel like Todd Orlando needs to be fired, I want you to think back 12 months. Just think back 12 months. Let's go back to a day and age where Texas is the top third down defense in the country. Where we sit on this very podcast in the same chairs we sit today. Most of you listening to it on the same devices with the same earbuds that you listen to today. And say, if the Texas offense is any good, this team competes for a national championship or a conference championship. Probably not national championship. Conference championship. We say... If Tim Beck's offensive line isn't held together by a hope, a prayer, duct tape, and bubblegum, this offense is good. So what I want to say is that personnel matters. Coaches are only as good as the players on the field. A year ago, the offense struggled because there were six guys that were healthy enough to play on the offensive line. Six guys. This year, the defense is struggling because, here's a hint, Texas lost a crap ton of talent to the NFL. A ton. People underestimate how good Puna Ford was. People underestimate how big Malik Jefferson's ability to flash into a gap was. Deshaun Elliott played all over the field. The guy that I think people aren't talking about that Texas really misses is Holton Hill. Absolutely. Holton Hill was the linchpin to that defense. When that defense struggled... 
was when Holton Hill was gone. When Holton Hill was suspended, the defense struggled because Holton Hill is one of the best one-on-one defenders that Texas has seen probably since Quandre Diggs. Like, it's, there's no two ways around it. So losing a guy like that, and especially in this scheme that he runs, that yes, it's a 3-2-6 in passing downs, 3-3-5 three, three, on earlier downs. There are only six guys technically in the box. Yes, that's that's the base alignment. But when you've got a guy like Puna Ford that can take up a lot of space, when you've got a guy like Malik Jefferson who can play all over the field, when you've got a guy like Deshaun Elliott who's not going to let anything go over his head, and when you've got a guy like Holton Hill that you can say, hey, coach, you double cover everybody else, I got this dude, your defense is going to be good. Mm-hmm. And with the level of talent that exists in this class – and moving forward from this class, this defense is going to get better. And I think this defense is going to get better, not in spite of, but because of what Todd Orlando can do as a defensive coordinator. Yeah, it, it was funny hearing you say that. I just, I just imagine Greg Davis, longtime listener to the podcast, sitting back and, and nodding and, and smiling as he uh, checked to see if FireGregDavis.com was still um, a, a, a functioning website. I mean, whichever offensive or whichever coordinator at the University of Texas is rated, you know, below like. 45th in the country will instantly have uh, cries for his head. It was Tim Beck last year. The fury of the message board hate for Tim Beck from the last snap against Missouri until, you know, a couple months ago, basically, or a couple weeks ago, probably, uh, has been astounding. And it's so funny to watch people like, I don't know what to do with my hands. I'm mad and, and our offense is capable right now. Like, oh, well, the defense, let's fire that guy. Like, it's. It makes it true to me that everything on the internet is both better and the absolute worst that it could possibly be. And, like, you're allowed to be mad. Because at the start of the season, in our season preview, if I had said, week nine, Texas is going to be six and three, I'm freaking through the roof. Because I'm like, Texas won all the games they should. They lost to TCU, OU, and West Virginia. Because that's what we predicted. Like, but... I get being furious because I'm, I am, I was pissed after that game. It took me a while. It took me walking from the stadium to that Domino's pizza on the court of Guadalupe and MLK. <laughs> so a, like that entire walk to stop being mad. So I get it. I get it. I get it. I'm mad too, but getting rid of the defensive coordinator who a year ago we were worried was going to take a power five head coaching job is just a bad take patience be patient like that's that's all I like I'm pissed I'm I'm frustrated this has been a frustrating two game stretch three game stretch I get it uh, one final word I will give you we lost a game it's terrible we lost our third game of the year oh no we've lost three games by a combined nine points there is a call there is a play I mean Colin Johnson the the rub pick play that could have been a touchdown there's you know, when, when we didn't go for it and we kicked in the foot, there is a play in each one of these games, probably a dozen, that if they go a different way, this is a team that's, you know, one loss or no loss. So, I mean, it's it's within the margin of error at this point that you hope a team executes every time, but we're not in the fire people mode right now. We're in the let's get it right, let's refine it, and let's go be a 10-win team mode. That's where we need to be. That's where Texas is when Texas is this mythical back. Absolutely. And I think 
I'm I'm gonna say it. Ten wins is still on the table. It's still on the table. There's at okay. least there's at least three regular season games left. Yeah. And a bowl game. And if Texas wins those three regular season games, there's a Big Twelve championship game. So Texas ten wins, it's it is a it is a long shot, but I'm saying there's a chance. I like it. I like it, Joe. That's 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 your hottest take. That's a good one to end on. That is the that is the uh, the the hot Stradamus right there. That's I like that. Spit hot fire. Uh, so that's all we've got for you this week. Kyle, where can the good folks find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Kyle Carpenter. You can find the Texas Pre Gamer at Texas Pre Gamer. You can follow me on Twitter. I am at gh goodrich. Follow the show on Twitter at Longhorn Pod. Shoot us an email just like Steve did at LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. Steve, thank you for the feedback. We really value that opinion. Thank you so much for tuning in again this week. And until next time, hook them. Hook them. Horns up.